Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Amateur Gourmet Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Roberts, the Amateur Gourmet, and my guest today is none other than Grossi Pelosi, aka Dan Pelosi, who's a huge internet sensation. You can follow him on Instagram where he has 112,000 followers, all of whom love his cooking and his recipes and his personality, and he's on the pod today, and I thought it would be really fun to talk to him about being a gay person who loves food because I myself am a gay person who loves food and it's actually quite an unusual thing to be. So we get deep into this subject and it's really a personal, open, fun conversation. Although we did have some technical difficulties, so if you hear it skip around a bit, apologies. I'm gonna do my best in the edit. Before we get to that though, I just wanna let you know I've been going TikTok crazy. If you are not following me on TikTok, please give me a follow at Amateur Gourmet and you can see all of the posts I've been doing. I have a pasta with cherry tomatoes and breadcrumbs. I have a peach pie and the the post that made me famous is Stanley Tucci's zucchini pasta, which now has 1.2 million views. So check it out. All right. Well, here's my conversation with Grossi Pelosi. Okay. Well, uh, Grossi Pelosi, Dan Pelosi, welcome to the podcast. Do you prefer Grossi or Dan? Um, I prefer uh, whatever you want to call me, including <laughs> Grossi, Dan, mom, dad, daddy, anything you want. I'm open. I respond well, to all things. <laughs> <laughs> well, daddy, mommy. Um, <laughs> daddy, I, was telling, mom. I was telling you this earlier, but I'll tell it again, that my friends, yeah. Ryan and Jonathan, the other day, Jonathan was making dinner for my friend Ryan, and he was going to do one of my recipes, and I was very excited. And then uh, the next day I was like, how'd it go? He's like, um, and he was like very guilty looking. And he's like, I actually made Grossi Pelosi stuffed shells. And it was like a huge rift in our friendship. But I think um, you're so very we're popular. Work, are we going to work through that today? Is that why I'm here we're to work through yeah. that? Yeah, my old perfect. podcast was called Lunch Therapy, where it was more of a therapy session. But oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, today, you know, yeah, it's not that. That's great. Ryan, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ryan's. I watched special and then when he started following me, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then I'm reading his boyfriend's book right now. And then when they made my recipe, it was just like so cool. So I was like sort of fangirling. Oh. So apologies. I needed it, I guess, that day. I must have needed to, to have a moment. <laughs> have, have you read Ryan's novel yet? Because he'll be so jealous if he listens to this. I haven't read his novel yet because I'm a very slow reader and I read yeah. like two books a year. So, um, but I will, it's on my list. So absolutely. They're a funny couple. Cause they're like the only couple I know where both of them have novels and, <laughs> and they're both like out there trying to promote them. Well, anyway, I, um, I'm so excited to have you on. I thought what we would talk about today, cause I was like, I tried to pick a theme for every podcast. I love that. And I love that we're both gay and food people and so I mm. thought today's theme would be gays who love food I know nothing that I love more so that's perfect <laughs> well because um, yeah it feels like it's a subject that's actually kind of interesting because there's so many gay people who love food but there's a lot of gay people who are very tortured about food and I think that's what makes us refreshing I, I hope that's what makes us refreshing I hear that um a lot and I think I spent a good amount of my life being tortured by food. Um, and then I went to therapy for the past mm. six years and that changed everything. <laughs> really? That's really um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I always tell people, um, you know, I'm 40 and this sort of like my, my Instagram following happened to sort of come to me at like 38. Mm -hmm. But I tell people if they, if it, if people had found me when I was 35 or 30 or 25, I just, I would not be the same sort of like, I wouldn't have the same relationship with food in my body as I did. 
I would be battling my joy for food and my culture and my excitement around it and my love of cooking and entertaining with sort of like the gay cultural body standards that unfortunately we were faced with. Um, mm -hmm. And my body hasn't changed that much. I just was struggling. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was an interesting thing. Um, and it's something that I'm so glad you want to talk about because every other podcast I've been on wants to just go through like, how did you get started? And I'm just like, no, let's talk about the real stuff. So this is great. Although oh, good. much, much love to those podcasts. Really <laughs> those podcasts <laughs> suck. Speaking of food, I am so sorry. My dog is going crazy because my lunch just got delivered. I'm just going to bring it oh, in and get come it right all. back. Please. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you got for lunch. Sorry about that. Oh no, please. I We're all ordered busy. a sandwich that usually takes an hour to get delivered. And today, for some reason, it came in like 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's from this place called the Wax Paper that makes really good sandwiches in LA. So oh, I love that. Here. Well, there's a uh, whole subset of gay um, food lovers who would love to watch you eat your sandwich. So <laughs> that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's my OnlyFans podcast. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. I get yeah, asked for that. I get asked for that a lot. I, I uh, you know, the Grammar kids are all over it. So um the what you know kids grammar do you know what grammar is no okay so grammar is an app for gays that is um embraces sort of the feeder gainer community do you know what feeder gainer is should i, I talk mean, through it a little it's, i know feeders are like people who like to watch feeder, people eat yeah so feeders are like interested in the idea of like feeding their partner or their playmate um, and sort of like different levels of sort of like extreme feeding. And then the gainer is all about sort of being fed and gaining and getting larger and larger. And this can go in a lot of different directions. And there's different subsets of sort of like, I guess you would call it like a fetish. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's been fascinating. And it's actually been really helpful for me to sort of figure out a lot about my relationship with food and my body and understanding that there actually is a whole lot of gay men out there who don't want, um, you know, zero body fat muscle abs. Um, mm -hmm. And this is just one place where I've sort of discovered, <laughs> discovered yeah, that. Yeah, I love that. Um, and it really took it to a lot of extremes and parts of grammar can get kind of dark and a lot of, there's a lot of like shame on the app. There's also a lot of pride on the app. It's, it's like, just like every other part of the world and everything else, but it's really, really interesting. So, so yeah. Um, but a lot of people <laughs> on grammar want to watch me eat a sandwich, just like they would want to watch you eat a sandwich. Wait, so, so I'm going to like hang up with you and download grammar. I mean, I feel like yeah. this is perfect for me. I feel like this it's, is the, the, the porn star I'm meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you need to be, you need to be, you need to find your feeders, you know, you I'm like a pro gainer, although you, by the looks of you, you probably have to gain like at least 300 pounds. So, oh, that's all <laughs> optical illusion. I have a great filter on right now, so I'll get to show, show it to you later. So before, actually, I'm realizing that like on the off chance that somebody's listening to this and doesn't know a lot about you, yeah. maybe before we get into this deep let's conversation, <laughs> let's hear it. Because I was like, oh, wait, I have to like introduce you and stuff. So yeah. why don't you tell us a little, little bit about yourself um, and how yeah. you became Grossy Pelosi? Yeah, I'll give you like a very, very short run. I basically had have always been sort of like interested in food. I cooked with my family. I'm Italian. I'm Portuguese. Um, spent all my time as a kid in the kitchen. Um, and then growing up, I was always having dinner parties, cooking for friends, creating these sort of experiences around food. It was never something I did professionally. Pandemic hit. Um, the food content I shared on my Instagram pre-pandemic, which got like a little bit of interest here and there, found a really big home. Mm -hmm. um, and I've grown my Instagram in a really big way because I am someone who is not a professional cook. I'm a home cook. 
I have an apartment that I'm very comfortable in. I knew how to feed myself. I knew how to stock my pantry. All of those things are things that people, when the pandemic hit, a lot of them didn't know how to do one or a few of them. So I was able to quickly sort of like realize, oh, this is a great moment for me to help people. Um, and so I made sort of like teachable uh, content from sort of my day-to-day -day life and started writing recipes for the first time ever. I launched a website, I launched a merch, uh, charity merch collection. Um, and over the past two and a half years, I quit my job a little over a year ago. Um, and I just have turned this into like my new career and it's so great. And I have, you know, lots of recipes and I have like a pretty solid Instagram following and a great community. And I, doing a million stories all the time and talking yeah. about things and having fun and it's great so that's where it's at and that really comes through it really does seem like you're having a lot of fun which you know hopefully that's what I've been doing I mean I have a similar story in that like I didn't start out as one you know as a chef or anything but then I started a blog in the early 20 19th 21st century like in 2004 <laughs> <Early>. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> And so I share your enthusiasm and also your sense of like enjoying what you do for a living because it's really yeah, fun. It's yeah, it's so fun and it's totally unexpected. And because it's so unexpected, I will forever be grateful for the opportunity to do this. You know, it's, it, I'll never take it for granted. It's so, it's so amazing that I got to shift, you know, at age 39 completely mm -hmm. to a new career and have so much um, so far, great success and opportunity. And I love everyone that's with me on the journey. It's so cool. So are you going to do a cookbook? Uh, yeah, I want to do a cookbook, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. Got it. Yes. That's the goal. The cookbook, the cookbook has been a goal of mine since I was like a teenager. I just yeah. always thought I would be like printing it off at Kinko's, you know, uh -huh. and like giving it to my mom. Um, but yes, having a, <laughs> a <tr> <laughs> having a true cookbook with a publisher is going to happen. So don't you worry. <laughs> where did, where did uh, Grossi Pelosi come from? Um, it came from Never Been Kissed, which is a Drew Barrymore movie that was mm -hmm. out when I was in college. Um, and uh, she was nicknamed Josie Grossi in the film. There was sort of like a transformation element with her and she was sort of like nerdy and quirky and her friends right. or her friends or her foes called her uh, Josie Grossi and my friends in college who were all like high and drunk were like Grossi Pelosi and started like <laughs> calling it me that as like a fun joke. Like I was totally into it. And then I just became like my friendster handle and my internet handle, my, all my handles. So I just, um, went with it and it became my Instagram handle and now it's about food which is really weird and funny but um it works you know wait have you gone on the Drew Barrymore show yet because I feel like you have to tell her this story so I feel like I have to tell her this story too um I really really do and a couple of her producers follow me um and so many people I know have been on the Drew Barrymore more show but I have not been on it. And oh, that is fine. This is, a, this is a huge problem. We're going to start a campaign for you. Please. I mean, you, you need to go out in the rain with her and, and stand in a rainstorm. Yes, literally, there's nothing more that I want, is nothing more in the world I want than to tell Drew Barrymore, like the genesis of Grossi Pelosi, which is like my brand name. And then also like make her pasta, you know, like I just yes. feel like it would be a dream. But, you know, all in due time. Right. Oh yeah. I I've been no on doubts. Good Morning America. I've I've done a lot of great things. So I'm I will never complain about not being on the Drew Barrymore show. I will only express that it would be amazing to do it, you know. Well, okay, now that we've covered your background, I feel like we were on the cusp of having a deep, fruitful yes. conversation. And then I like got the, the no, it's sandwich okay. I'm, I'm actually yeah. grateful that you did that because I think you know it it gives me like a leg to stand on and just yeah. like some sort of conversation around food and our great right. lives. So people so. know who you are. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, um you were 
I think I read this online. So you said you quit your job and your job was in fashion. Is that right? Yes, you could call it fashion. It was for, <laughs> I, my last job was for Ann Taylor brands. So Loft, okay. Ann Taylor. I was a, a experiential creative director, did brand marketing um, environments. Before that, I was at like experiential brand agencies. Before that, I lived in San Francisco and worked at Gap. So I've always been in like, either on the agency side or the corporate side of like retail brand design work, uh-huh. um, which was really helpful when I turned myself into kind of like a little mini food brand. So yeah, you're really good at that. I'm yeah, still trying fun. to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it's only actually, been 20 years for me. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's what makes people think I'm further along in my like food profession than I am, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, happy to, happy to let them think that, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, <laughs> so you were, you were saying, and this is where, you know, I really would love to pick back up is a little yeah. bit about, um, you know, going to therapy and sort of learning to embrace yourself. Because I think as a gay man, I can speak for myself. I mean, I, my first time I went to a gay bar, I was like 21 or 22 and I thought I was going to walk in and every head was going to turn and I would be the bell of the ball. And, and then I walked in and it was like, I've never felt more invisible in my entire life. And it was like guys with muscles and tank tops. And I was like, Oh, like, are you supposed to do that? And like, so I, I know, I know what that feels like to, to think you're about to be embraced by a community and then suddenly feel like an outsider within that community. It's interesting. Like, I love that you thought that you were going to be embraced and then you didn't. Cause I actually was like, there's no way this is ever going to mm. go well for me. <laughs> like, I just was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Like I'm not going to be embraced by the, the gay community. Like I, oh, I guess I sort of othered myself as we often do. Mm-hmm. Whereas like maybe you let the community sort of other you um, based on your experiences. Neither one is, you know, good or bad, but I think I had convinced myself based on a lot of different conditions of my childhood and relationships I had with family members that it just wasn't going to happen for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I spent most of my childhood feeling kind of like the only gay in the room. And like, I didn't know that other gay men, I like, I still for a while in my, even into my early twenties was like, I can't believe other gay men exist. And I like, was living in San Francisco, you know, like, <laughs> I was like wondering where so, you grew up. I was like, was yeah. this in like the middle well, of like I, Ohio or? Well, Nebraska? I grew up in Connecticut. So I grew oh, up in okay. like a small town, Connecticut, went to Catholic school my whole life. Ah, um, actually okay. had a few family members who were kind of like secretly queer. And I think I understood that, but I think I understood that to be the only option. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like this idea of like, I will never be able to speak my truth. And then I went to art school in Providence, which was like, I think it was like around 2000 and I don't know that like people were like joyously queer at that time at least even in art school you would think that it was but but there was still some real like secret gay stuff happening and I wasn't I was a little bit like Patty Simcox like I wasn't your classic art student like I was Uh a little bit like hey everyone like it's me Dan and people were like I'm cool and smoking a cigarette right, right. and so I this just is uh Risby is that Rizzy, 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 yeah, right yeah I know it from yeah. the talking heads all met there that's how I know yes exactly <laughs> so I just was like a little too like um friendly I think um <laughs> for the gays at the time so it wasn't until I got to San Francisco and when I was like 23 um that I started having like, you know, experiences with men and realizing like, wow, you know, it was almost like the swinging the pendulum, right? Like I can't get away from gay men now. Um, But yeah, um, it was was definitely something and and I never ever felt like the men in the room were looking at me or finding me attractive until much later on. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so it took me a lot to kind of gain that confidence or just realize really that there's someone for everyone. You know, mm-hmm. I always joke that I want to go around to like schools and give like a like a talk to kids and be like, there is absolutely someone for you. Like no one tells you that. And if I had known that the bear community existed when I was like a chubby little meatball, like <laughs> feeling like no one was ever going to love me. If I had known that like men would be like smashing their faces into my belly and telling me that it's like they can't. Uh, oh, you froze for right in the middle of that. <laughs> uh, okay. I can say it again. Um, can you say it again? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I often joke that if I could go around to, and speak to sort of like kids who are like younger and let them know that when they grow up, there's going to be someone for everyone. Like if mm-hmm. someone had told me when I was like a chubby little meatball that there was going to be an entire community of bears who are going to embrace me and love me. And there would be grown men who would be like, not when I was a kid, but you know, when I would grow up, there'd be <laughs> men who were like going to be like stuffing their face in my belly and telling me they love it and they wish it was bigger. And they just like, there's you just don't know that when you're little yeah. and especially when you lay around sort of being gay which is like sort of like this very specific like moment of an entire world it's mm-hmm. just a lot and I just convinced myself it wasn't going to happen and it's just wild you know yeah I mean you're talking about something that's really interesting to me because I, I don't think I've discovered that for myself which is that enjoying food can't like being somebody who enjoys food can be very erotic to other people. Like, I don't think oh, I, I think, cause even though we started talking about that, like I haven't yet experienced that. So it's kind of, I mean, I'm married. So, I mean, I, I you know my husband I, hopefully finds that attractive, but, yeah. but it's like, but even in terms of, I guess, I think it's really interesting because I live in LA. And so that, that link between like enjoying food and also like loving your body almost feels like you have to make a choice. Like it feels like in LA, specifically in the community that I've like met and become a part of, it's like, I'm, I know both kinds of people. Like I know people who love to cook and like love to yeah. eat, but they're not gym rats. Like they're, they're the yeah. ones who like, you know, maybe like try to diet for a little bit. Oh, you froze again. At this point in our conversation, Dan changed rooms to get a better Wi-Fi signal. Okay. Um, well, so- I was saying, yeah, here in LA, I feel like I meet people who, I mean, I, I always tell this story on the podcast because it was so shocking to me, but I once had a, a gay couple over for dinner and like I'd made a beautiful dessert. I don't remember what it was. And I went to go serve it. And one of them was like, oh, I'm not eating dessert right now. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, give me a break. Like, you're Absolutely. not at a restaurant. Like, I cooked Absolutely. all day. So, I mean, I just, I've encountered all but but at the same time I try to have in my own therapy I try to have empathy for that friend because I was like oh wow that must be torture for him oh to absolutely. not be able to enjoy dessert so it's, it's not easy you know I mean I I have gone through that so many different levels I have friends who so many of my friends are like bodied gays like they're like mm-hmm. you know they work out they have no body fat they're like gorgeous beautiful and I've never sort of like felt bad around them I've always felt like okay like I'm I'm gonna be the one that cooks like we'd go to Fire Island and I would be like making whatever I want and I would you know and and the the amount of like emotional processing that I've had to watch them go through to like get the fucking cookie in their mouth Mm -hmm. is something that is relatable Mm -hmm. and understandable but it also has allowed me to sort of like move further along in my sort of like journey to like freedom around food Mm -hmm. because I'm just sort of like what are we all doing like what is this Mm -hmm. and why you know why are we doing this to ourselves it feels abusive 
And it's just not, it's not healthy. But when I started talking to some of my friends, you know, some of them are like, well, I, my mom was a nutritionist. So like my childhood was all about like eating really healthy food. And, you know, I just didn't grow up in like a family that embraced food. Like my family, we were talking about what was for dinner at breakfast. Like it just was like, oh, yeah, that's my, that's actually so funny. You say that my husband yeah. says my, my memoir should be called talking about dinner at breakfast because that's literally what I do. At this point in the conversation, Dan changed locations one more time and this time it's stuck. It's like one thing that I'm like curious about. So in your journey of becoming Grossy Pelosi internet sensation, um, was was your, what was your, like how did your needing to learn to love yourself coincide with you embracing yourself as a cook? Um, you know, I think what I mean I think I've always wanted to cook more and I've always wanted to sort of like devote much more time to sort of like creating to writing recipes I've always had this sort of like dream that I would become a food professional um and it wasn't until like kind of I was able to work through some of my own issues around what I was eating what I was feeding myself um which really happened probably in the last five years mm-hmm. um I was doing keto I was doing cleanses I was going to like a trainer who was like pushing steroids on me which I never oh, took no. but like I was lifting weights I lo- at one point I looked like as one guy who I had sex with said you look like you played football in college. And I was like, well, I'm 35. So that's great. Thank you. So 15, <laughs> 15 years ago, I played right. football. Thank you. Um, but it was kind of like this, I was getting sort of like big and meaty and I was eating like eight eggs in the morning and oh, like doing that. So I, while I loved food, I still had a tortured relationship with it. And mm-hmm. so being able to work through my issues with my own body and my own relationship with food has allowed me to share food in a way that's actually joyful which in turn is like relatable and excitable for other people mm-hmm. like I don't ever find you know uh, the recipe of like someone who's a personal trainer online overly excited right because right, it right. immediately landslides me into like oh my gosh I have to do 20 burpees and then I can eat that and it's mm-hmm. still not going to taste good like I am just out here like sort of with the knowledge of what activates me or makes me feel bad about food. And this is my own personal experience, but I'm finding that it's very relatable to others. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. And it also or, makes me think a little bit about growing up. I mean, I know that you're half Italian, yeah. and I'm fully Jewish. And I know, I mean, in my family, like yeah. food was like shoved upon me. Totally. And, that was how you express love. Yeah. And also this idea that like, it would be the most unhealthy thing that my mother could have imagined would be to skip a meal. Like every oh. day was like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And like and, full meals. Oh yeah. I mean, they yeah. go to lunch. I mean, really it's lunch and dinner for my parents, but they go to lunch. Yeah. They have dinner and like both are events. Like they, they build their days around meals. Oh, absolutely. And I don't do leave too, the house. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I do too. I mean, it's like grocery shopping. What are you going to make? And then it's yeah. like grocery shopping. What are you going to make? And, um, you know, the freezer is stocked with food. Like we're, you know, it, it really like, it's funny because I've now realized, 
as I've gotten even older, it's really my upbringing set me up for great success in terms of nourishing myself and, and, and others. Mm-hmm. I just allowed body issues, gay culture, um, to fuck that up for a while. Yeah. And it's really, it's kind of sad, you know? Um, and a lot of it, I didn't really speak out loud. I think friends saw it and friends could tell. I mean, I've, I weigh like 270 pounds right now. I mean, I've gotten down to like 190, really? um, okay. which is like, I looked horrible and thought I looked incredible. You know, it's like, it just, you don't realize it when you're going through it. And it just, it, like with everything, it just takes some perspective, but I just wasn't, I wasn't having, you know, a good time. And now, mm-hmm. now over the past two and a half years where I've really spent my time creating food for me with excitement and with joy and then sharing it with others, like mm-hmm. so many just wonderful things yeah. <laughs> have entered my life. Um, it's really wild to think about it, actually. I haven't really like talked about it out loud like this in a while, but it's, it's amazing. So, well, um, I think that like you're, you're being happy and, and loving yourself comes through and is, is attractive in and of itself. You know, it's like, that's, yeah. and I think like, it takes a long time to get there. I mean, I've been in therapy for years too. And I think that yeah. eventually you get to this place where like self-acceptance actually yeah. makes people, draws people to you in a way totally. that like trying to fit in and trying to like make yourself something that you're not is not attractive. So I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it really like draws people towards you. And it also just like, you know, I, I'm in my like, you know, the best relationship I've ever been in my life. And that that's like, you know, 16 months old and that, you know, I met that person along this journey and, and they continually tell me like my sort of like love language is food and how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is and how beautiful, you know, my, again, like my belly is or all these mm-hmm. things that like I've spent years being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like I can't have this. And you know, what's really funny is, and this kind of blows my mind, but I have, because I'm more visible now, people find you from your past. Sure. Um, and I've had some people find me who I had just like the biggest crushes on when I was like in my twenties or my early thirties. And just you, you, they could have like, you know, their dick could have been in my mouth and I still wouldn't have believed that they were into me. Um, but you know, it never got there, but they, they were like, oh my gosh, like I had such a crush on you when we were like 25 or, Aww. and, and, and it's really lovely to hear, but it also makes me feel sad for myself because mm-hmm. I would have never, they could have, there was nothing they could have done to make me believe that that was actually the case. Mm-hmm. So I lost out on a lot of kind of like interest from people and yeah. further convince myself that I wasn't worthy of uh, attention or love by my own walls that I built. It's really interesting. Well, I'm fascinated, like in terms of your day-to-day life, like in, in how you approach food, um, like what, how does it differ, I guess, from this period where you're more tortured you talked about eating all eggs in the morning, but like, what does your food life look like today? Like even just today, like literally today, like what totally. kind of meals are you eating? Yeah. I mean, I think there's certain things that I do that I share. Like I made a BLT today for lunch with, and I walked downstairs and I had these beautiful tomatoes and my roommates were like making bacon. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we all were like, let's make BLTs. And it was just like spontaneous and fun. And that was really, really great. Um, This morning I had like fruit and yogurt. Um, But you know, it's funny. There are certain things like once in a while I'll have like a green juice or like Mm -hmm. something that like, society has made us think is like this like pillar of health right. and I actually like don't feel comfortable sharing it because I just feel like 
sometimes I do, but like not nearly as often. Like I just don't want to put people in the position where they think that like they have to be having like a celery juice every morning. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like to, and I haven't really figured out if this is like, you know, right or wrong, but I just um, try to filter everything through kind of just like nothing but like excitement around food Mm -hmm. so I try to have that as well but I do try and like eat my vegetables or like go for a walk or like you know do a peloton but I'm not like people are like you have a peloton and I'm like yeah I do and I don't talk about it like I just don't interesting okay you know what I mean and I don't feel like that's a lie but I I just feel like I have to I don't know there's certain things like I'm not going to become a fitness account like it's just not yeah I totally get that but it's also so interesting to me because it's like, it is, it's not just you. It's so many food writers um, or food personalities just show the, like the, the lavish meals or like the decadent. Yeah. And then you don't see the other side of like, how do they balance that? Cause to me, it's not about being skinny or being fat. It's about just yeah. trying to find some kind of balance where like you get to enjoy yourself and then yeah. at the same time feel good. I just don't ever want someone to be telling me that I need to balance my life. Like, right. you know what I mean? And that sure. is what I, what why I think, um, you know, I trust that you are finding your own balance and health right. in your life. And I want you to trust that I'm doing that too. Mm-hmm. I never want to be someone who is making, like telling you how to do it right. or how I do it, even to potentially trigger you or make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not, um, it doesn't excite me. Maybe someday, maybe someday I'll, you know, be doing a Weight Watchers campaign, like who fucking knows, like anything's possible. But like, I mean, I was on Weight Watchers when I was seven. So it's yeah. probably not going to be wow. something I circle back to. But oh, yeah, like I have, there's so much dieting and um, disordered eating in my past that is just mm-hmm. like, I truly feel that it makes the most sense for me to just create a safe space where we could enjoy food. I love asking questions about food. I love talking about it. I have this whole thing on my my feed right now about mayonnaise and all this cool stuff. And it's like, but none of it is like, like I'm obsessed with people not like, like I always say, don't yuck my yum. Like I feel like I'm talking to third graders, but it's like this whole thing where it's like, I'm sharing what I love. Like just either share that you love it too, or just move on. Like Mm -hmm. unfollow, don't comment. I shared sardines the other day and someone sent me, they were at Via Carota, like the best restaurant in New York city. And someone sent me a puke emoji. And I was like, I'm sorry, you're blocked. Like we're not. Oh, I love it. <laughs> because while I'm creating a safe space for others, I more importantly have to create a safe space for me mm-hmm. and what I'm doing. Otherwise, everything's going to fall apart. You know. I love that, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's funny because I find myself struggling to not be judgmental in the other direction. Like you know, when I see people in LA, as I mentioned earlier, who are like yeah. don't eat, don't eat meals, and don't eat. Yeah. You know, it's like I, yeah. you know, it's none of my business, and like totally, people should do what they want to do, and I'm not going to yes. intervene. It's not for me to do that. So yeah, I think not commenting on what people are eating is something that's very hard, and what their mm-hmm. bodies look like. I think it's something that's very hard culturally. I think our generation grew up with our mothers and our aunts and our grandmothers. Oh yeah, commenting on our bodies and what we're what we're putting in our bodies because that was like a moment in time and my biggest breakthroughs in therapy have been about my relationships with sort of the generation the second generation two generations above me and what they put in my head about Mm -hmm. food and my body whether it was my great grandmother telling me if I didn't have a third serving of her eggplant parmesan I didn't love her or my uncle asking me what I weighed every time I saw him you know like it's just like 
or like, did you lose weight? I'm on a diet. I, I got to stop eating. I'm eating too much. Oh my God. Like there's a wedding coming. It was just like endless Italians in a room talking oh, yeah. about like how they are on a diet, hate their bodies. What do you weigh? You look good. You look Jewish skinny. people. Look I mean, you sound like totally. my family. That's literally, I mean, my grandmother yeah. and my mother, if you go to my mom, like my mom's house has a library of books and it's not like Shakespeare and it's yeah. not uh, it's like Moby Dick. It is every single diet book that has ever existed oh, is 100. on her shelves. Suzanne Summers, The Zone, yes, The 100%. South Beach Diet, you know, Weight Watchers. I, I mean, she has every book. Yes, I love my mother so much, but same thing. And if she's listening to this, she already thinks that she's like completely fucked me up, which is so not true. <laughs> but, you know, she like sent me like the Atkins diet starter kit when I was like a freshman in college. You know yeah. what I mean? Like trying to like fit in at RISD and then my mom sends me like the Atkins diet like video. That was the craziest diet too. I remember I went on a cruise with my parents and all their friends yeah. were on like the Atkins diet and they were yeah, eating these they huge had things Atkins of diet steak cruises. and, and yeah. they were drinking like vodka because it totally. didn't have car. I was like, what yeah. are you guys doing? This is insane. This, this was just so wild and I'm so glad that I have wiped that away. It, yes. It's just, you know, and um, I don't know if I've said this already, so forgive me if I have, but I will never, every single time someone messages me and says, I have an eating disorder and you're the only account that, that has food, that's a food account that I can follow because you only express joy around food and you don't talk about the other stuff. Mm -hmm. That for me will always be like absolutely unbelievable. Like it just mm -hmm. makes me feel so amazing mm -hmm. because I still have a complicated relationship with food. It doesn't disappear, but you like realize things and you move forward and that's all you can want to do, you know? So well, I think you're wild. teaching people and I think I am too, because I think it's really hard for people in our society to experience pleasure around food. Like, how do you really enjoy food? Like, cause yeah. I think that's hard for people without feeling tortured yeah. about it, you know? So. Yeah, food, enjoying food without judgment is really hard. And that's again, why someone who, someone messaged me and said, I have a question. Um, you know, you talk so much about don't comment about people's bodies and you express only joy around food. Do you not feel any responsibility for teaching people about exercise? and health and balance. And I said, I absolutely do not. Like, yeah, this is not, that's not your job. It's also not my business. And it's also all of those accounts. And before we had accounts, but those things, those people are what fucked me up. That is not good content for me. I can't handle it. And it doesn't go to a good place for me. Yeah. So I don't feel that responsibility because it's not my business. And also like find that somewhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I got, I was like, I was like, can I ask you a question? how were you raised? Like, what did your parents do? He was like, my parents were nutritionists. And I was like, of course, like mm -hmm. your obsession is about being healthy. And mine is about trying to get back like the joy that my family thought they were expressing around food, but actually couldn't allow themselves to do it. So mm -hmm. it's just interesting. I don't know. I'm talking too much about that, but, but you know, no, I wild. get it. I mean, my mom, I mean, she's not listening to this, but if she is, I'm shocked. Um, but she like is always on a diet, but she also like loves to eat. So like we'll be at steakhouses and stuff and she'll yeah. get the desserts and all that. And then there was this one time I made dinner for my brother's birthday and I was Instagram storying like this cake I was making. And it was like a 
chocolate fudge cake that had like six Ooh. sticks of butter because it was like three in the cake and then like yeah, yeah. The icing and my mom was like I can't believe how much butter you're putting into that cake I can't believe it and I was like mom like what do you think you ate last night when you ate cheesecake at the steakhouse so yeah. when they came over for for the dinner my mom like yeah. ate around the icing like she wouldn't you know I was like mom like give me a break but it's so funny like that generation it's like again yeah. like I have to have empathy for her because she grew up on Weight Watchers and all this stuff yeah. and it's like so yeah it's not easy well I think yeah. I think I want to pivot a little bit because yeah. we're talking all about like the tortured part of food but before yeah. we end I mean we still have some time yeah. um, I want to talk yeah. about the positive part like in of terms course. of gr growing up in your family like what are the positive food memories and like what are the things oh, that you love yeah absolutely oh my god of course I mean I think like you know I have my grandfather and my grandmother um, on both sides, who were just like such iconic chefs, like they taught me so much I know. Uh, my grandfather is, is 100, he's still alive, and we talk about recipes all the time. Um, you know, my mom was such an adventurous eater. We would go to, she would cook around food, but we'd also go to a restaurant and she'd be like, I got to go home and figure out how to make this. You know, like, so mm -hmm. she was like figuring out how to make like the portobello mushroom burger at like whatever fucking restaurant we went to at <laughs> home and being like so excited. And my dad actually cooked dinner Monday through Friday because he was a teacher and got out of work earlier. And so like he had dinner on the table when my mom got home, which was really amazing. Wow. And he also grew a garden. So we would be eating fresh out of the garden. Um, my aunts and uncles, um, I call them, the, I call my aunts and my mom's friends, the Carolyn's and the Maryland's because they're just <laughs> like, every, like I was like, you know, they would all make the same recipe a different way. And um, so it was just like my, my childhood was steeped in food culture. A lot of it Italian American, Portuguese American, but we also ate a lot of just American comfort food. Mm -hmm. And my, I loved going to sort of like get togethers, right? Cause like this cross section of food would end up on the table. And whether it was like my sister's boyfriend's mother making like a salad that had Doritos and ranch dressing in it <laughs> and me being like, what is going on? Like, this is, you know what I mean? To like yeah. six lasagnas at one wedding or all these things, you know, when my, when the guys after like, you know, a gathering would be like outside playing sports, or whatever, I would be like sitting around with like the aunties and the moms, like having coffee and talking about like what they were making their kids for lunch, you know, mm -hmm. like that was my oh, yeah, circle. I get that. Is, uh, so, it was, is your mom the Italian one or your dad? My dad's Italian. My mom's Italian Portuguese. I see. So it's three quarters yeah. Italian. Yeah, three quarters Italian, a quarter Portuguese. And I'm very familiar, obviously, with Italian food, but I'm not as familiar with Portuguese food. And can you talk a little bit about like the Portuguese yeah. food you grew up with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. There was a lot of linguiça, which mm -hmm. is like a smoked paprika sort of pork. Um, there was a lot of fish, a lot of like sort of like stews. Um, there was um Codfish balls, but bolitas de bacalao, which are like these like fried balls of codfish that are mm. so good. We had a lot of like anchovies, sardines. Um, oh, we would have our big Portuguese family picnic every year in a mm -hmm. park in the summer. And my aunties would make these things called fiosas, which are, there's a recipe on my website for them. They're these like, they're kind of like, have you been to P-Town or no? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, go, I go every of summer. Course. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, malasadas at the Portuguese bakery are those mm -hmm. big fried they are like a sister to a malasada, but they have a canned pumpkin and whiskey in them. Oh my God. They are unbelievable. They're so good. If you ever want a project and like, I, I don't know about you, but like my favorite thing is to cook someone else's recipe. Cause I'm uh -huh. like, okay, I could just enjoy this and I don't yeah. have to think about like writing down our note. Um, that's a really, really good one. We had those. Um, we would just do a lot of like, um, 
meats, yeah, meat, fish, um, oh, uh, pasteas de nata, which are like those little custard cups. Um, are you driving to P-Town or from? No, we're taking the ferry. Okay, because there's a, a place in Fall River, um, which is in Massachusetts, like a big Portuguese community. And there's a, a place called Portugalia, which is like the Italy of Portuguese food. And it's oh, incredible. cool. They have a whole room that's bigger than my apartment that's just salted cod, like the out. It's amazing. And, so And that's an Italian food too, right? Don't they use salted cod in some Italian recipes? They do. There's a codfish salad that we would have on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of crossover. All those Mediterranean, like, yeah. you know, Italian, Portuguese, Spain, like there's a lot of crossover. And, you know, um, as I develop recipes, it's like, you know, people are like, oh, my family's Spanish and we would make that. And it's like mm-hmm. small little differences, but it's all really delicious. So. And I feel like Portugal's having a moment right now. I feel like a lot of people are traveling there, moving there. Have you been there? Um, I, it's funny. So, uh, my boyfriend was asking me this yesterday and I was like, my mother and my sister and I went when I, I studied abroad in Rome for a year and they came okay. to visit me and we were like going to go to Portugal and my dad couldn't come because he got sick. And he is like a language genius. He's a fluent in Latin and Spanish. And so we were like, we're good. And then he's going to come. So we got to Portugal and we were like, this language is so fucking hard. And my mom is Portuguese and she can only swear. Like, that's all she knew how to do. <laughs> we ended up like, I think our first meal was at the Hard Rock Cafe. Because we like, <laughs> couldn't. That's so my family too. <laughs> like, we, we, we went to London and went to the Hard Rock Cafe when I yeah, was in high school. We yeah. just wanted somewhere where we were like, okay, we could just like order in English probably. Like, yes. I mean, I was like, this was 20 years ago. So it's like hysterical. Uh-huh. But, but I haven't been back to Portugal. I've been spending a lot of time in Italy and other places. But um, I do want to go back for sure. So. so is there a recipe that you grew up with that like now in your kitchen that is like a specific recipe that you still make and think of your family? Yeah, I think so many. I think I've taken what I've grown up cooking and made variations or versions of my own. Um, I think my marinara is an ode to sort of all the marinaras I grew up eating, but I've sort of made it my own. Meatballs are huge, eggplant parm, lasagna, all the red sauce dishes, yeah. the, uh, the the famous stuffed shells, uh, stuffed shells. That oh, yeah, Ryan, yeah, the one that's, that's ruining my friendship with Ryan and yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I've exactly. actually never made stuffed shells, but it, it looks really good. I saw you know, it's picture. funny. A couple of years ago, people around Christmas, around the holidays, were like, "Do you have a fake stuffed shells recipe?" And I was like, "Oh my god, fake stuffed shells around the holidays! What a dream!" Yeah. Um, and what a, like, what a great ratio of pasta to cheese, right? It's like, I know, <laughs> it's like you know, you don't have to make ravioli from scratch. It's sort of like yeah, it has the exactly. shell around it. And um, you can really put so much in it. Actually, I'm working on a seafood stuffed shell uh, recipe, but yeah, anyways. Um, well, it's funny that American Italian thing, because I just had my very first, and I, I'm not patting myself on the back because I'm like 43 and this has never happened, but I had my first <laughs> viral TikTok video. No way. That's and amazing. I, I don't yeah. think I've had one yet. So oh, and I made a, um, I recreated Stanley Tucci's zucchini pasta that he had. I saw this. I saw yeah. your, your post about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it's so funny how many Italian Americans, because the pasta is just fried zucchini totally. um butter and parmesan with noodles and pasta and wa- pasta yeah. water but i got like a thousand comments like where's the garlic where's the garlic where's it oh yeah and it's so fun and this woman like was like die hard like 
she was gonna die on this hill. She's like, I'm Italian American, and we put garlic in everything. And it's just so funny to me because I grew I grew up with that kind of food. But yeah, people are wild in the fact that they think that they know the only way to do things. It mm-hmm. it just blows my mind. Like we're out here sharing recipes, and I am so happy for you to take my recipe and run with it and do whatever the hell you want with it. You yeah. don't need my permission. Have fun. Don't hold me accountable if it t- doesn't taste good, but like, go for it. Like, I, I mean, I just want you to get in the kitchen and enjoy. Like I make my meatballs. I put raisins in them. People freak out. I'm like, okay, <laughs> don't put the raisins in them. Like it's, it's really like just, Venetian, right? I feel like Venetian. It's actually, it's, well, it could be, I don't know about Venice, but I know it's a Sicilian. Sicilians, oh, maybe Sicilian, put, yeah. Sicilians put raisins and pine nuts in their meatballs. Mm, one or delicious. the other or both. Yeah. Pine nuts are great. I love, I like, I like pine nuts in more of like a sweeter application. Like I have a really good pinoli cookie recipe. They're so expensive now though. Oh my God. I know. I just see them at the store. They're like $20 for a tiny little bag. Not if you have my mother who gets them at Costco and sends them to me. Um, But I I just did a bake sale for like abortion rights at Arcastratus here in Brooklyn, which is an amazing cookbook shop the next time you're in Brooklyn. And I may, I, I was like, I'm going to make pinoli cookies. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like, so I made like yeah. 80 pinoli cookies. Oh, yeah. Those are delicious. They have yeah, like, mar- like marzipan or like almond mm-hmm. paste. Or yeah, yeah. I love yeah, that yeah. They're, they're, they're actually gluten-free by design. They're just like marzipan, sugar, egg whites, and pinoli cookies. And, um, yeah, they're great. Um, so, um, yeah. <laughs> so in your, in your day-to-day life, like now that this is your full-time gig, yeah. are you spending most of your time in the kitchen? Or are you spending most of your time at your computer? Like, where are you working mostly? Um, oh my gosh. Well, I have a, I have a show on food 52, like a YouTube series uh-huh. called the secret sauce, where I go to people's houses and they teach me their family recipe, which is oh, so fun. much fun. You got to come to so LA. I'll teach you a recipe. I know we're trying to get sponsored by like some brands so that we can travel, but right now it's just local, but it's okay. We're only like six episodes in and we have a year of them. So we have a lot of opportunity. I watched one um, of them. They were really good. The, oh, the most recent you. one was great. Yeah. Oh, with Caesar, we made the mafongo. Yeah. Yeah. It was oh. gorgeous. Yeah. He's such a little teddy bear, such a teddy bear. I love him. Um, thank you. And so I do that and I'm writing a lot. I'm working on um, a, uh, what, what am I working on? I'm working on some new recipes for like branded content stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have to make money, right? So sure. I'm still trying I'm to really, figure that out. <laughs> yeah. I'm really lucky that I get a lot of opportunity, which is so nice. And I get to say no to a lot of stuff. So I feel mm-hmm. like the partnerships I take on are really truly with brands I love, mm-hmm. which is such a, like, I, I would say a privilege in this space that we exist in. I, I feel, I, I feel really, really good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work trying to make reels. <laughs> like that's where I'm at know? right now. I'm like, Oh, yeah. reels. But I think Instagram yeah. is changing its thing back to like, people are so uh, angry about like what it's I, doing I don't even understand I don't know if they're gonna do that we'll see but <laughs> I I'm you know and I I dream of sort of TikTok but I'm sort of like fuck this and then so I and I and I spend a lot of time what else am I doing um really just trying to write and strategize and I'm also trying to do stuff that isn't food like my guide to p-town or I'm mm-hmm. working on I have my vacation house mom guide and I'm, I have some other city guides I want to do like I'm trying to do some fashion stuff like I have learned that people want so much more than food from me, which is amazing. And I never really intended to become like a food only thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, and I have a manager who lives in LA and we're always like talking about how to like do things. I also saw my merch, which is not for sale right now, but merch is a lot of 
work um, and it's super fun. Mm-hmm. And I donate a portion of the proceeds to Sage, which is a great organization that supports LGBTQ elders. So, yeah, I keep. So you're basically busy. running an empire. It sounds like I, you know, I I don't know any other way to like take what's happened, and I don't know what else I would do. Yeah, like, I, I get I, it. I, I, this is just it. Like I went from like zero to brand, like immediately. Yeah. Um, because that's what I've done my whole life is made brands for other people. So I was like, Oh, this is fun. I can like make a brand for myself. And I, I don't think I like walk around acting like a brand, but I think that there's like a, a solid sort of point of view to what I'm doing that people kind of get and respond to, which makes me happy. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't even think of you as a brand. I think of you as a person yeah. who happens to be like in all these mediums and have all these yeah. outlets, but um. It's- do you feel like Instagram though is the main like bread and butter, so to speak? I think, of, like, yeah, Instagram is where it's at for me. I wish I had a larger platform somewhere else. I hope someday to have that. Um, Instagram is where my growth all happened. You know, yeah. I have I was working with Pinterest for a while. I was mm-hmm. one of their like creators, um, and I still am a creator there. But like, I have slowed down a little bit. I post all my reels on um, TikTok, but yeah. Instagram is where it's at. And then I have my website, which is where all my information lives. I learned really quickly that people have a lot of questions. And if I didn't make them live somewhere, I would Uh go insane. So I try to tell people to go to my website with everything that they're looking for, pretty much. And is it just grossypelosi.com? It's, uh, well, it's it's grossypelosi.com or dampelosi.com. They both go to the same place. So that's where all my recipes live. It's where my show episodes live it's where my guides live it's where a lot of random press goes and I also have a thing called the grocery list which is just like a lot of my favorite things that people ask about and some offer codes um for a couple brands that want to give people discounts via my audience um that's where I get the most blogger girl but it's not too bad I promise Um, (laughs) (laughs) no that's great it's funny I should probably do that I still have my old blog that's like from like the early 2000s yeah. and it's like it still has traffic to it which is so weird but like I don't yeah. have like a page with just like all my links to it so I probably you know, get, get on that it's crazy because you know I've both been doing this for a couple of years and um I, I've become kind of pals with Smitten Kitchen who's just uh-huh. like sure the hero of heroes he and I are like old old contemporaries yeah yeah I hope she's okay with me saying this, but a, a year or so ago she was like hey can can we talk like can I call you and I was like sure like whatever you want um and we hadn't met in person at this point and uh she was like can we talk about the grocery list because like it's so such a good idea and I need to do this and I was like how do you not have a re like I'm sure you get a million more questions than I do yeah so we talked and she did her own like beautiful wonderful version of it but I was so like um honored that she wanted to talk to me about my website because I was like I do not (laughs) you know she's she's like a legend so it was cool you know Oh yeah. She knows she's, she's like 20 steps ahead of everybody and she's so yeah. good. Her recipes are so good. I mean, I feel bad because like I use so many of them and I put them on my thing. I'm like, okay, I got to like stop stealing all of this. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think as long as you, pro- it's all about proper credit and it's yeah. all about, it's all love. And I think there's nothing that makes me happier than being able to use whatever audience I have to like talk about other people and shine light on them and they do it back to me. And I just think mm-hmm. it's like, one big happy gay circle jerk of food. <laughs> well, on that <laughs> title note, of, title yeah. of F. Yeah. Title of F. Well, this was so now. much. Oh, that's perfect. Well, this was so much fun, and I, you know, despite some technical difficulties, I think we had a really good conversation. No one's gonna know about those. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, We're gonna edit well, those out. No, yeah, I appreciate I it, and I, and I just want to say thank you. And I, I, you've had so many amazing people on your 
on your uh, podcast. So I'm, I'm honored to be one of them. Of course. Um, well, so... you've got a fan in me, so I'm excited to make some of your recipes and maybe I'll see you in Provincetown someday. Uh, I wish I could come out. I would love to meet Ryan. Um, it'd be so fun. I'd love to meet you. And um, I can't wait to watch all the places you go. I know. Well, just follow. You have on. to go to the Churro, the Churro Spice Company, like okay. right before you hit Provincetown. It's like this old school. You'll be like so happy there. It's so great. All it's right. on my guide. My guide right. to Provincetown. I'll, I'll print it out. Okay. Well, have <laughs> a good you. rest of your day. Thanks so much, Dan. Bye. Bye. <laughs>